Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hello, Channel Pros. Welcome back to Channel Journeys. This is Rob Spee, your host, and this is episode 51. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks for waiting. It's actually been a month since my last podcast. There has been a lot going on, and I may be on a monthly schedule over the summer. Let's just see how it goes. Well, how are you doing in this period of uncertainty? I have to tell you, I'm actually more optimistic than ever that we are going to come out of this pandemic crisis stronger and happier. More of us will be working from our homes, spending more time with family, and really valuing our friends and neighbors. Over the past several weeks, I've actually been super lucky to do things that feel more like normal times. I went out on a sailing adventure, sailing over 1,400 miles from St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands to Newport, Rhode Island. That was my longest nonstop offshore sailing trip so far. I'd like to write a blog or maybe do a podcast on that trip. It was so amazing being surrounded by nothing but the blue ocean for days on end. It was just fantastic. And today, I was actually able to cycle with my bike club for the first time in three months. Everyone was so happy to be back out on the road together. We had a great time. And this evening, we're going to actually have a block party in our neighborhood cul-de-sac. So things are starting to feel more normal every day. I hope that's true for you as well. If not already, perhaps soon. That said, there is still a lot of uncertainty out there in the market, in the channel, and perhaps in your own company. And leading and growing a channel organization, well, it's difficult in normal times and especially challenging during these uncertain times. And in today's podcast, I have the pleasure of chatting with a channel pro and a channel podcaster, Vince Menzion. We talk about what it takes to be successful in the channel, and Vince shares five common traits of partner organizations that will succeed through this crisis. Are you ready to meet Vince? Let's go. Hey, Vince Mencioni. Good morning. Welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. Good morning, Rob. How are you? I am fantastic. Doing really well today. How about you? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day here in Charleston, South Carolina, and enjoying the great weather and working from home these days. I love Charleston. I don't get down there nearly often enough, and it's not that far away from me in Atlanta. You need to get down here more often. It's, uh, it's a beautiful town. We've it enjoyed, is. We've enjoyed it here. Awesome. Well, this is really fun, Vince. I don't know if you know it, but you were really an inspiration for me to start this podcast. And back, this was what, a year and a half ago, I started doing some research and I found your podcast. And you were really one of the few, I think, channel podcasters at the time. And I just love what you were doing. And I was listening to a sailing podcast. And that's really what got me going and saying, you know what, this would be fun to, to get started. So thank you, Vince. Well, thank you. You know, I don't know if I connected the dots and I started listening to your podcast several months ago. Because it helped inform what I was doing at the time, trying to build a channel ecosystem and the like. And I love some of the interview guests you've had, some of the same guests, uh, Tiffany Bova being one of them that we've both had on our podcast. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed your perspective and the work that you do as well. Awesome. So this is really fun. And you took a bit of a hiatus, but I hear you're going to get started podcasting again. I am coming back, especially this time. The digital journey is just so important to how we work and this rapid acceleration that we're seeing in work from home, telework. I think podcasts are a great way for people to step away from their computers and still retain and get informed from information out there. And so uh, bringing it back here probably in the next few weeks. Awesome. Can't wait. All right, great. Well, uh, you wrote a blog just recently about 
leading partnerships through uncertain times, which is such a great topic because there is, man, I don't know if there's ever been so much uncertainty in the economy and our not just our nation, the, the world and uncertainty in our businesses and, and partnerships. Our partners have very uncertain times too. So really wanted to dive into that with you on that topic. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm afraid about cliches these days, right? Uh, we live in uncertain times and so much has changed right now. And this sense of uncertainty that we have, we can't really compare this to any other time in our economy, at least in our modern history. But, uh, you know, there's certainly some topics and, and some characteristics and values and core beliefs and principles that apply today more now than ever. It is kind of funny to cliches and, and uncertainty. And we, we t- everyone's talking about the new normal or the old normal. And I wonder if there is any normal. <laughs> the only thing normal is change and, and rapid change. Rapid change. And I think yeah. this is, you know, certainly we talked about this in the blog post, but you know, we're seeing this acceleration now that, you know, we've been talking about the cloud, for instance, for over 10 years, at least my days at Microsoft. We were sort of leading that initiative and talking about rapid transformation and acceleration of transformation. This has really been a pivot point, if you will, to that. And and that's some of the topic there that I discussed in the blog post. What do you think, you know, for us folks on the, on the, that are listening here that are running channels and we have, you know, different, slightly different partner ecosystems, different technologies. What are some commonalities do you think in, in what we can expect in what's coming with, with all this change and, and, you know, radical shifts? I think commonality wise, you know, they're going to be winners and losers. There are industries that will uh, die off is probably a pretty ominous word, but they're going to trail off Mm -hmm. and they're going to be replaced by either new industries or new and innovative ways to do things. Some industries are going to see more investment, certainly healthcare, education, public sector, industries that in some cases were laggard in terms of the investment strategy, telehealth, telemedicine, telework are going to be areas of investment. For instance, in the public sector space, most people went to an office every day. They're not used to working remote. And so these people have now had to adjust to uh, to working from home, applications that were sitting on a server underneath somebody's desk now can't be accessed? How do I move that to the cloud? How do I innovate? How do I, how do I digitize and innovate workflows and things that are, were done manually before and do them online so that people don't necessarily have to come into an office, an agency, branch office, or whatever, uh, in order to um, accomplish what we need to do? For instance, wouldn't registering you, for a car. Yeah, wouldn't you think that that would just drive even more business and demand for the channel? Absolutely. I mean, when you talk to the the hyperscalers, the technology leaders like Google, Amazon, and Microsoft right now, I mean, their cloud businesses are off the charts right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Microsoft is, and I think it's public information that Azure consumption was up over 700%. Microsoft Teams, average daily usage, 75 million users up from 15 or 20 million users just a few months ago. And so it is really, you know, you're starting to see this rapid acceleration. And that's why I say there's going to be winners and losers. And the winners are certainly going to be the, the technology leaders. And if you look, it's going to be the ecosystem as well. It's not just going to be the Microsofts and Amazons, or the Googles. It's going to be all the partners and solution providers that support that. Security providers, system integrators, ISVs that have innovative and new solutions that address some of these issues are all going to win in this game. Did you see Jay's blog, Jay McBain, and he was talking about different financial scenarios and the impact on the channel and he was he was projecting like 150,000 MSPs could go out of business. I did see that. In fact, I saw it this morning. 
Yeah, and it seems somewhat ominous, and I'm I'm not quite sure. I mean, again, we're we're, we're all dealing with uh, areas that we've never had to deal with before, so I'm not quite sure if that's if, you know if that's the what what the path will be, or if, if there will be more, or if there'll be consolidation of those MSPs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would expect that. I would expect a lot of consolidation. I, and certainly I can get mom and pop shops if, if they are really severely impacted, could go out of business, you know, just financially go under. But I don't know. It just seems like even now and then coming out of this, there's going to be so much opportunity for the channel. Is that just going to go to the strongest partners, the ones who, you know, are already set to survive this and, and are thriving through this? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think there is a sustainability factor here. If an organization can make it through the investments are going to be in technology and transformation. So mm-hmm. if you're there to reap the benefits or to provide solutions that support a constituency or a set of constituencies, I think you'll you'll survive through this. It's the mainstream old laggard sectors, the retail, unfortunately some restaurants, museums, you know, in the nonprofit space, museums, cultural events, cultural events are, are now moving online digitally. There's a whole area of things that we're not going to be able to do in the next few months, maybe even longer. We're in in our business at OutSystems, we're seeing an acceleration of, of interest in projects for that rapid transformation to a digitized world because of what's being driven, what, what companies have to do to survive right now. And what we're going to see is that more and more organizations are going to need to partner with other organizations to drive what I'll, what I'll say their agility through this, right? So yeah. you're seeing it in, in higher education moving to telelearning organizations that maybe don't have the infrastructure, they don't have the security infrastructure in place to support the telelearning. There's going to be additional capabilities and things that we're learning are going to be needed, especially when, you know, students are outside of the classroom working from home for long and extended periods of time. So I think there's there's a lot of opportunity for new solutions, new capabilities, and it's going to require organizations to partner together to get there. Yeah, I think so, Vince. And I think also, you know, if you're a vendor and you're getting squeezed a bit right now from the the economy, you have to be more efficient and you're going to look to the channel to drive that efficiency rather than through hiring more direct sales and pre-sales and your own resources. Exactly. And you're, you're, you may have to lay off. You might have, have some uh, circumstances that are require you to do more with less. The channel's a force multiplier to drive that. There's a return on advertising spend. There's a return on investment. You don't pay a channel partner until they sell something. So it's a free sales force, if you will, to many organizations. So let's let's talk about that. Then that gets us back to the, your blog and what does it take to have a successful partnership and and how do you lead your partnerships through these these times now and coming out of these uncertain times? What are some of the key things that you think are are important for that successful? I guess, partnership with an individual partner and, and a partner business within your vendor company. You know, you referenced my podcast. So I've done 60 episodes so far. And in each of those episodes, I've asked my guests, some of them have been from the technology leaders like Microsoft, Amazon, Salesforce, and Google. And then some of them have been partners that have gotten it right working with those organizations. And there's a common thread about what makes successful partnerships and why mm-hmm. partnerships fail. And so... The post is a kind of a coalesce, coalescing, if you will, of that work and what I found and what made partnerships fail and why they've been successful. What I generally find is when they're successful, there's a mindset around partnering. And some organizations just don't get that. Like they, mm-hmm. they look at partners as vendors. There's a distance or arm's length approach to doing business with those organizations. They don't bring them into the fold necessarily. 
I find that when partners or partnerships are successful, there's a growth mindset at both the vendor level and the partner level about that relationship. And it's a very different, it's an abundance mentality about working together. And sometimes that abundance mentality means that there's going to be a level of transparency and honesty between the two organizations to work together. And that means I can tell you that, hey, I don't like the way you're doing something. I don't like your channel incentive program. I don't think that your sales teams are really helping us be successful. Or, you know, it's just it's just being having that candor in the relationship. It's also being able to, when the partner isn't in the room, to say the same thing to the customer that you would say if they were in the room. And I remember that I remember in one of my podcast episodes with one of the organizations that's very successful in the channel with Microsoft having that conversation that there's a level of transparency about how we conduct business when we're in the room and when we're not in the room with one another. Well, that, that growth mindset, though, you look at what's the opposite of a growth mindset, the scarcity mindset. That's right. Right. Yeah. Mindset, scarcity mindset. And a lot of organizations, unfortunately, operate this way and they, they can't get out of their own way. And, and I find that the organizations that are not successful, and I won't mention the vendor organizations that are known and are notorious for not having a strong partner ecosystem, but it's generally around that scarcity mentality. It's treating the partner like a vendor. It's not treating them as part of their own sales organization. It's not having the right level of incentives or co-selling engagement. It's having them actually compete with their selling organizations. And it's all those things that that scarcity mentality drives. Yeah. And it's so frustrating if you're a channel manager and you're dealing with sales reps who have that scarcity mindset that they, they're so afraid to, to get partners involved in their opportunities and work with partners because they think it's a, there's a fixed pie that, of business that they, they can work with. That's right. They treat it as if you win, I lose. And they feel as if they're not contributing maybe, and maybe their job is at risk if the partner is successful driving the sale. And that you can have that down at the rep level and you can deal with that and you find the reps that have the growth mindset. But if you don't have that growth mindset in the, the leadership of the company, that's what it really comes down to, doesn't it? It comes down to everyone from the top of the organization, from the boardroom, through every floor of the organization has to buy into the strategy. There's yeah. got to be a vision and a strategy to drive it, and everyone has to embrace that. And this really hasn't changed, right? I think, as we've talked about channels, you mentioned 60 podcasts, the importance of this. But now, even more than ever, I think, during this crisis, we've got to make sure that we have that alignment and that growth mindset across the, the company. Absolutely. Especially at this time, it's, t it's a time to embrace those partnerships, keep them current. You know, we're spending more time on the phone with our partners. I hope all of us are in the channel and it's a time to embrace them, to bring them into the fold more, to expose to them what the strategy is to, you know, navigate through these uncertain times. And it's also to lean on them for advice and counsel because in many cases they're closest to the customer and can help us navigate through. Yeah. Now that communication with your partners is so important. Over-communicate because uncertainty breeds fear, right? And we don't want fear in the channel. They've got to know what, what you're planning as a, as a vendor and, and hear from them too. What are their challenges that they're going through? Especially if they've hitched their wagon to your solution set or capabilities and you know, their fortune or misfortune is tied to your success or, mis, or, or, or misfortune. So you know, more, now more than ever, it's important to be very closely aligned. Yeah, you know, that that spreads out to your customers too. They they really want to hear from you and how you're doing as a company and want to feel secure that you're dealing with this appropriately and are are positioning yourself to be strong coming out of it so that they don't feel like they're at risk working with you. And I think it has to be very personal. I remember being on a actually a good friend of mine, Don Yeager, is a best-selling New York Times author, and we had a we had a call with Don and we were talking about just what, you know, I've gotten an email from every, you know, travel airline 
hotel chain, car rental agency that I ever did business with or ever had my ever had my email address now about COVID. And, you know, that's not necessarily the right way to reach out. The right way to reach out is there's just that that personal contact, mm-hmm. a very different approach to uh, to communication. Yeah, that's a good point. Those, a lot of those emails just kind of turn you off. Yeah, they they become spam. My spam filter is full. <laughs> yes. All right. So a growth mindset, not a scarcity mindset. What else did you find? Commitment. Commitment is, you know, it, it ties into the growth mindset, certainly. But there's a level of commitment to the success of the partnership. Again, it ties into up and down the organization. Every department in the organization has the same level of commitment. It has to be the CEO on down through the organization, down to the floor, to the sellers on the floor, that same level that we will have this strategy. We will drive a with partner through partner motion and our ultimate success relies on our commitment to that channel. What do you think executives in a vendor company can do to show that commitment? How do they demonstrate that to partners? It's a good question. There are several ways they can do it. Certainly there's the transparency component of it, right? So the best leaders, they elevate their voice. They don't just elevate their voice to their customers and constituent groups. They elevate their voice to the channel. They are front and center with their channel and their channel leaders, whether it be their partner advisory councils or groups of partners that they work with. They're reachable. They're they're accessible to those mm-hmm. organizations. So there's yeah. you know, certainly with the technologies that we're all using today, like Zoom and Teams and, and the like, we, you know, we have an opportunity to do that, especially since none of us are really traveling. That's an opportunity to be face-to-face more often. Mm-hmm. I like that, that accessibility. That, that's important. I, I find, you know, when the CEO and the executives are just talking channel, they're talking partners is just part of their conversation. You know, whether they're they're giving updates to the company or doing presentations and keynotes at partner or customer events. When, when it's just part of their normal vernacular, you know, that they, they're talking about partners, then that starts showing that it's, it's not faked. It's, it's part of their true commitment and what they're thinking. Absolutely. Can't be just checking a box off, right? It really right. has to be true commitment. Yeah. Excellent. And then on the other side, it's also, I'm just, I'll just tie in here from the partner side. Yeah. The partners that were the most successful working with the vendors also had that same level of commitment from the CEO on down through their organizations. And the ones that I've seen, and I won't mention any names specifically, but there was one that comes to mind, a CEO of an organization that has worked with a few of the hyperscalers and been very successful. He personally managed the relationship with those large vendor organizations. He personally Mm -hmm. made the trips to Seattle and Mountain View and and the like. And so that face-to-face CEO to top sales leader in the big vendor organizations made a big difference for that for that partner. Yeah, I bet. You know, the other thing about commitment too is it it has to be strong and held through good times and bad and through blips in the road. You know, every partner, and I'm thinking a lot of times in a in a sales deal or in a delivery implementation, sometimes you have blips. Sometimes things go south. That's right. And it's and it sometimes it has it's not the partner's fault. Sometimes it's it's a customer issue. But that can really taint a partner and give them a black eye. And and then people in the organization can start kind of you know one bad experience can outweigh a hundred great ones. There's another area of commitment too. It's it's investing. It's investing in the partnership. Yeah. If the vendor comes to you and says we need a capability and we think you're the best one to provide that capability. It's making those investments and micro investments in in those technologies or those capabilities. Yeah. So I I think it's consistent commitment. That's what makes the difference. Yeah, I agree. All right. Great. So growth mindset, commitment. What else? 
focus. Too often organizations, especially this is this is a partner coming into a vendor organization like a Microsoft, Amazon, yes. or Google, they try to boil the ocean. They try to be all things to all people. And you can't. And you need to be known for one thing within that organization, one set of capabilities, maybe one specific function or capability, especially now during during this time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's important to get crystal clear about the one thing that you do that differentiates you and makes you successful working with that organization so that the salespeople on the floor that are talking to customers can say, this is the partner that does X. And it's having that focus and then driving that focus to a successful outcome that we talked through in terms of our building a plan and having a plan for success that really is key and critical here. You know, that is so important from several perspectives. When I think about the efforts we're doing to align partners to different sales reps and different sales teams, if partners don't have focus and real well-defined value add or value proposition, it's super hard for the sales reps to understand, well, which partner should I work on, work with on this deal, right? Because they all look alike if they're just homogenous. So that is hugely important. And the, the other area I think is just yesterday, we were doing a business planning session with a very large SI and we're talking about how their business is changing. Their, their go-to-market has changed a lot over the last you know couple months with COVID-19. And we were redefining where we were going to focus with them as a partner and what industries we were going to focus on, what, what sales teams, what geographies, because we knew if we boiled the ocean, you're just not going to get anything accomplished. Especially with those large SIs, because they have capabilities across so many different vertical markets and so many solution sets and product sets. Yeah, you hope to get there eventually, but when you're just starting out with a large partner, you, you've got to really hone in on a small area and start getting traction. Yeah. Otherwise, what is it? Dancing with an elephant is the old expression I've heard many times. <laughs> yeah. Or what is the, the eating the elephant? Eating one? the elephant. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or is it eating the frog from Mark Twain? I'm not. I don't know. We've got a lot of frogs in our garden in the back <laughs> deck, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't suggest eating any of them. No, no. They don't look very good. All right. So we've got growth mindset, commitment, focus. What's your other area? Well, it ties into focus, but it's a, I separate it out. It's, it's about investment. It's about that investment, whether it's the, it's the investing in building that micro business. It's an investment from the vendor organization in the pri- proper resources, whether they be partner development resources, channel account manager resources, marketing resources, channel incentives that make sense, that are right. And then it ties in those investments tie into the whole strategy of the business, right? Whether mm-hmm. it be a developing a partner to be successful, building a go-to-market strategy that includes investments to to fuel and propel the, the sales strategy and growth. And then the co-selling piece as well requires resources to do that. So it's an investment in resources and capital for the partnership to flourish. Do you think right now in the times we're in, is there a shift in, in focus of investment? Should we be putting more investment in a particular area of this than we have been? What I found is, you know, I talked about this a little bit earlier about healthcare, education, public sector. There are some markets that are going to be more successful right now than others. Mm-hmm. And so you need to pivot a little bit more and, fo- you know, you focus in on those specific areas and invest in those areas where you can be successful. And I'm not saying to ignore, completely ignore the other uh, sectors of the business or, or market focus, but I think that that's the area that you get the most attention right now. So sh- pivot your marketing spend towards those those industries. Absolutely. And I've seen some of the, you know, the better organizations, the great organizations do that right now. They're getting in front of the curve. Education right now is an important topic about when, you know, when are schools going to open, if they're going to open, 
It's getting in front of those constituents with your top partners and having those discussions, getting the partners on the call to have those fluid conversations and inform the community and constituents around what's happening and just keeping kind of a clear line of communication open. Yeah, that's. I guess that's what we're doing at OutSystems. We, we've done a lot of analysis of what are those industries that are thriving and where do we see the best opportunities for our, our solution. And we're putting together some targeted marketing and then rolling that out to the channel so that we can do co-marketing with partners that particularly ones that have expertise in those particular verticals. Which ones are you seeing? Same, similar ones that you're mentioning. Certainly healthcare, that's a huge one. Insurance, we're seeing a lot of activity there in the financial sector. They're, you know, trying to modernize and then public sector as well. A lot of cities are having to update things that they're doing and start doing them differently. And there's so many of them out there, right? There's what, 80 80 or 90,000 municipalities, local government agencies that are out there. Again, most of those have been laggard, right? Yeah. I always think about the conversation about the server that's sitting underneath someone's desk that's doing a function for some local, you know, agency. Yeah, it's interesting, though, Vince, because there there are other pockets of opportunity for us. Like you look at the oil industry, which is just in the tanks right now, but there are segments of the oil industry, like the field services segment, where they need to rapidly modernize. They've got to cut their costs and they've, they've got a lot of antiquated systems. So they need to rapidly digitize and get on more modern platforms with better you know, user experience and that type of thing. So that's there are pockets of opportunity, even in industries that are down for us. Yeah, and there's also opportunities to use technologies like drones for inspection. Sure, you mm-hmm. mentioned insurance earlier. I was thinking about the insurance inspection from a hurricane, you know, some, you know, a drone being used to go to the roof of the house and inspect the damages and those kinds of things. Yeah. Do you have a drone? I don't personally. I have a nephew. He's a photographer, videographer, and he has a drone and uses it and does some work with some really amazing companies. Yeah, I have not tried it out yet. I've seen some fantastic drone video of sailing that some of the sailing video bloggers are using. I love it. I love seeing it. In fact, there's a great there's a great video of the Charleston area that was done by a drone here. I've got to look it up for you. Maybe I'll send you a link to it, but it was just beautifully done, all done by drones. Yeah, I'd love to see it. All right. So what's you've got five topics. What's your fifth one? Agility. So, you know, the one I left off really is is building the plan. It's kind of fundamental to everything else that, that goes yeah. on. And we certainly have to have a business plan. But it's knowing that at some point things might change. And right now we're we're at a point now where agility is really important to any partnership, right? We 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 we're living in a time of uncertainty. We don't know where the business and markets are going to go. So they having the agility to maybe address a new market or a micro market and maybe create a new solution area or address a solution gap. That's where agility comes in. And I've seen that where organizations that have been not been successful maybe in one area pivoted their organization. They were agile. There's the old Wayne Gretzky skate to where the puck is going. Yeah, I love that one. uh, We're, you know, kind of clustering like the six, six year olds on the soccer team that are all clustered together chasing the same ball. Yeah. Um, And so I've seen where organizations have been really successful have been organizations that are agile. Yeah, that's a hugely important one. And I think it's it's not just organizations. Think about your partner program and how agile is your partner program to adjust to these rapid changes. And and look look at what's happening, right? All of the big partner events this year are canceled, or at least yeah. many of them into at least the fall or winter, some into next year. And so how do you provide a level of readiness, communication, intimacy with your ecosystem? You've got to use new tools and capabilities to do that as well. Boy, that's a whole nother topic. That'd be a great podcast because we're dealing with that right now. We have a huge customer conference and partner conference every year that we do in each geo. 
that, and we're going virtual. So now we got to figure out, okay, how do we make that really impactful for our customers, but as well as our partners? You know, it's a big partner event for us. How can we replicate that virtually where, you know, when you talk to partners going to these events, it's the networking that's most important to them more than the content that you pitch on the, on the stage. Yeah. And it's also keeping people engaged, right? Cause we're all sitting yeah. on our computers, you know, multitasking. There's some technologies are better than others. I participated in a virtual event just several weeks ago talking about the same topic. And I'll say the technology we used was, eh, it was just okay. But then I was, I got to listen in on another, another event, virtual event where several hundred people were on that. And they used another technology that was much more engaging and kept the, the audience engaged and active in the conversation. And so I think there are ways to do it right. And there's ways that people don't do it right or fail. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tricky. It's not easy to do, I think, but I'd love to see some new ideas coming out on, on how to do that. Agreed. So growth mindset, commitment, focus, investment, and agility. You know, this, this almost sounds like a scorecard. Like if you're a channel leader listening to this, you could take a look at those five areas and see how you're doing in your organization. And what can you do to improve in any of those areas? Yeah, it's somewhat qualitative, but I, I agree there is a scorecard that comes out of this. This becomes part of the business planning process, right? We talk about the business plan. How do you measure success? Your metrics, everyone's metrics might be a little bit different around these, but it's coming to a common set of metrics that makes sense for each business. Yeah, we introduced business planning this year and rolled it out and did it with all of our strategic partners around the globe. And now we're scrambling because we've got to change or update a lot of those plans, particularly the marketing plans. All of our co-marketing plans, we've almost had to scrap and just rewrite them. Yeah. I mean, our the virtual events now are the only way to go, right? We we had planned with one organization I'd worked with to have a series of in-person events utilizing one of our key vendors' facilities to do those. Well, nobody's meeting in person, and, and at least not in the foreseeable future. Yeah. Well, this, this has really been interesting, Vince, and I think very helpful, too, for all of us in running our channel organization, our, our partner organizations, and how we look at this. For now, in this uncertain time, and I think this is, these are just core things that you need to have going forward in your partner organization and, and in your company. I'm in agreement with you, Rod. Again, it comes back to fundamentals. These are principles and fundamentals on partnering, as far as I'm concerned. Well, let's shift a little bit to your background and your channel journey that, that you've had. I was looking at your, your LinkedIn profile, and you didn't start in the channel. You've had several different careers. You know, I started in transformation, and I've described my career as three or more, actually four successful transformations all around disruptive technologies. I got started in the early days of wireless computing before Wi-Fi, implemented technologies for 11 years for a company as a sale, first a carrying a bag as a salesperson, and then as a sales leader in that organization. We grew it organically from 6 million to 125 million and went public on the Toronto Exchange. Oh, nice. I wasn't a channel leader at that point, but I understood that we were the number two in the marketplace and we were based in Canada. And I needed to establish the credibility of the organization. And it was through successful partnerships with complementary software companies to our technology and built some strong relationships there and understood the value of the channel. That led to coming over to an organization where I had, I was asked to set up a government business in a company that had a commercial mindset and a direct selling culture. And in order to do business with the federal government at the time, we needed to have a channel, a GSA schedule and reach to a new market that we didn't have. And so I set up a channel from scratch, essentially. We grew that business from under a million dollars of revenue to about 30% of the company's revenue in about 26 months. This was all after 9-11. So we were selling rugged notebook computers. Our largest competitor had a very large government presence, and we did not. And we made some really strong inroads. 
And then we wound up selling the company to our largest partner, which was a large government system integrator. Spent a couple of years there, and then I joined Microsoft, which uh, for nine years, I was the public sector partner leader for the United States, which went across federal government, state and local education and healthcare. And so I got to see the partner world and from a different set of lenses, certainly in a large ecosystem and helping partners of all types from SIs to ISVs to MSPs to resellers and VARs be successful working with Microsoft. So that had to be a pretty interesting experience. You know, it's an amazing experience. It's an amazing company and it's hard to navigate. And one of the reasons why I started up the podcast when I left was to help other organizations to navigate working the, I call it walking the hallways of Redmond to understand the complexity of the organization, how to be successful. There are a lot of different partner organizations and partner groups within that organization. And understanding how to navigate and work with and co-sell with successfully is not something that's well known. There was, there was a book when I started at Microsoft called Partnering with Microsoft. By the time I got a copy of it, it was outdated. And so I felt that the podcast would be a, a way to inform in real time how partners could be successful working with Microsoft and then expanded out to Google and Amazon and, and Salesforce to a degree. But it was all about successful partnering and what made the successful partners and why they failed if they weren't successful. Yeah, I, I really loved a, a lot of your episodes because I wasn't that familiar and I wanted to know more about the Microsoft channel and, and partners and how it all operates. There's a lot to be learned there. Is that going to be the focus of your podcast now that you're coming back to it? I think we're going to stay focused in on, on the successful partnerships. Okay. I was starting to branch out when I stopped. And I believe that there's a great value in talking to the other technology giants as well and their ecosystems. So I'm going to expand that out. Okay, great. Well, really looking forward to it. Well, what do you like to do outside of the channel? What, do you have some particular uh, hobbies or adventures you like to go on? You know, I'm a little bit of a gym rat. Although I don't say I really enjoy doing it, but I think I mentioned this in the blog post. At 14 years old, I was the heaviest kid in my class growing up, and that's my personal transformation story. And so I, I found that diet and exercise to be invaluable to changing and transforming my personal life. And so I'm kind of a gym rat and going to the gym every day. I, I do like the bicycle, although I just ride a beach bike these days on the beach, have a Peloton here at the house. And when I can go out to a physical gym, I try to do that once in a while as well. And there's an occasional round of golf, but I'm just not that good at it. I love it, but I just don't get to play often enough. Yeah, I'm horrible. I do enjoy it, but I'm horrible at it. <laughs> I'm reminded of how much work it is, you know. Yeah, you can't play once a year and expect to be good. That's my problem. I played this weekend and I played horribly, but it was fun. So if you're a gym rat, is your gym in your house or are you dying because you can't go to your gym? So I, I started doing videos, P90X and, and, and the like. And so I have, I always have it on my, cause I, I did a, quite a bit of travel over the, over the years. And so I, I had a portable gym. It was my computer and the videos. And I, I have a mat that I carry around or take with me when I go to places. And then I try to get into a physical gym when I can, if I don't have access to weights, but I have weights here and a chin up bar and or just about everything I need. Oh, good. So you weren't impacted by all the gym closings. I was a gym member. But I go once or twice a week more for the social aspect of it. And yeah, I, did, I do miss going to a physical gym. It does motivate you a little bit more. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back. Ours is just about to open up again. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting time the first time back for me. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to carry the, I'm going to carry the hand sanitizer or wear gloves. I'm, something's going to change here, you know? Yeah. Everybody working on their masks. Who knows? It'll be crazy. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, excellent, Vince. It's been really fun chatting with you. Any last thoughts that you want to convey to our audience before we go? I just, you know, I just, I just come back to leadership here, right? So leadership is key in successful partnerships. We talked about this quite a bit around growth mindset and commitment. 
But, you know, I'll kind of leave with the fact that I said this in the blog post that the best leaders create certainty. They elevate their voice. They lead with transparency and intimacy, and they add value to their customers, partners, and constituents. And I, I find that to be true. It's always been true, but it's true now more than ever. Excellent. Well, I look forward to your leadership coming out of your podcast. Best of luck with that. Where will people be able to find that and your prior episodes? So the ultimate guide to partnering is the name of the podcast, and it's available on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Google Play, and just about anywhere you get your podcasts. And it's uh, also available on ultimateguidetopartnering.com. Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Excellent. And I'll put that in the show notes as well so everybody can find it. All right, Vince. Well, thank you again and have a great time down there in Charleston. Thank you for having me, Rob, and all the best to you. Thanks. All right, guys, some great pointers from Vince on what we need to build into our channel organizations. Just to sum it up, the five things needed to succeed are a growth mindset, commitment, focus, investment, and agility, especially now. Check out all my notes from today's show on my website at www.channeljourneys.com backslash CJ52. And be sure to check out Vince's podcast at ultimateguidetopartnering.com. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to share it with your channel colleagues. I'll be back soon with another great guest. Until then, have an awesome channel journey. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends. And be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure.